Before we start the show, do not forget to try out NPR One. It's your go-to app for podcasts and audio stories from public radio and beyond. Get NPR One, O-N-E, on your app store now. Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast. We are here to talk about the third and final and final presidential debate of this year. We are here. We made it through, guys. We did. I told you there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. How are you feeling? We are now there. How are you I'm, feeling right I'm now? I'm beaming. I am beaming. <laughs> you really right are. Now. And it, it, is a, uh, it is a feeling. I want to say thank you to all of my colleagues. Uh, it feels like the kind of thing you're supposed you to give a speech, speech yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, it's, almost as if, it. it's almost as if there aren't 19 more days. You know? <laughs> Don't I, you say that. <laughs> gotta throw cold water on everybody's happiness because oh, that's my job. Hey, now. But it is, I mean, it, we're almost there. Yeah? We are. We haven't done inside, n- inside three weeks. Yes. Final debate is over. Uh, I think we've. We've been able to discern a lot. A lot's changed over the yeah. last three debates. We haven't said our names yet. I'm Sam Sanders, oh. campaign reporter. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, political reporter. And I am Domenico Montanaro, political editor. Cool. So we're going to get Tamara Keith on the line in just a bit. Uh, she is actually at the debate at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. We'll talk to her soon. But first, last debate in the history books. Before we celebrate some more about it not being over, um, <laughs> how would you describe this one to people who maybe didn't see it? I mean, as far as the three debates, uh, yes. as far as the three general election debates went, it certainly seemed to be the most substantive. I mean, it, it was yes. in terms of the percentage of it devoted to policy, except for the bits about, you know, the WikiLeaks emails and also uh, the women uh, that have alleged sexual misconduct by Donald Trump. Uh, so there was a lot of that. The other way I would describe it is that uh, Trump started off pretty uh, sedate, pretty... Yeah. Pretty chill for Donald Trump in one of these debates, but later on he really got ramped up. But then it changed. And, you know, I'll say this it sort of started like a simmer. And I think that there's a reason for that. I mean, that what the moderator chose to talk about was off topic. It was not the thing, the thing everyone was talking yes. about. It mm-hmm. wasn't women. It wasn't WikiLeaks. It wasn't Russia. You know, was it, what, that's not where he decided to go. Because had he started there, Chris Wallace of Fox News, this, this thing could have gone off the rails. He'd started with the Supreme Court. He went with the broccoli. And I often think that that's a pretty good thing to do. Start with the broccoli. Start with something that uh, is important to the big picture yeah. of the country. Yeah. Then you get to the candy later. Simmer that and broccoli. No, no one's... <laughs> not too long otherwise, you know. No one wants to the broccoli. Smell. Yes. Um, <laughs> I will say, as far as the three Prez debates go, this one for me was the least cringeworthy. That's not saying a lot. Right. But I will say... So it's a low bar to I rolled my eyes and clutched my pearls a few fewer times than... The last two. Yeah, the second debate oh, was man. the first the, half hour. The second debate was just the, the first hot half. Right. That was the lowest low of uh, modern American political history uh, yes. televised. Yes. I, it's very hard to think of something that was more cringeworthy no, than that. Can't even think of it. Let's get into the big moments of the night. Sure. Moderator Chris Wallace welcomed both candidates to the stage tonight. As we welcome the Democratic nominee for president, Secretary Clinton, and the Republican nominee for president, Mr. Trump. And there was no handshake again. Think so, about how far apart they've come, though. By the way, not only no handshake between the candidates, but no handshake between the spouses. Oh, nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But apparently the Clinton campaign asked for no handshake tonight. Yeah. So fast forward more than an hour in. Chris Wallace asks if Donald Trump 
will accept the results of this election. Now, note, in a previous debate, Trump said that he would accept those results. Um, But this question comes again in this debate after a week of Trump suggesting that there will be large-scale voter fraud and dead people voting and undocumented immigrants voting and the election will be rigged. So here's Chris Wallace asking Trump this question. Your running mate, Governor Pence, pledged on Sunday that he and you, his words, will absolutely accept the result of this election today, your daughter Ivanka said the same thing. I want to ask you here on the stage tonight, do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely, sir, that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen. I will look at it I've at the time. So, bad. so Trump went on to talk about the media and then Chris Wallace came back to him again. But, but, sir, there is a tradition in this country. In fact, one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign that the loser concedes to the winner. Not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country, are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, okay? Chris, let me I mean, who, yes, we were all sort of rattled by the, the allegations by the women against Trump, but who would have thought that this would come up in a U.S. presidential election? I mean, the, it truly is unprecedented for a major party candidate at this stage in the game. At this stage in the game, you know, in modern politics to say, you know, I may or may not let the, let this happen. And, you know, who knows how serious he is about this? And, you know, that, that, that bit where he said, I'll keep you in suspense, it almost sounded like he was being cute or trying to make a joke of it. But, but it's when, not cute. Right, when this is not a thing to joke about. Yes. If, if Trump supporters feel that, you know, they were not represented properly, that, you know, we could have some very serious divisions, some very serious fighting that happens after Election Day. There were a lot of things that got talked about and poured over in this debate. A lot of things. This is the only thing anybody's going to be talking about and has been talking about immediately after the debate. And it's all by Trump's own making. It's astonishing. He's been out on the campaign trail for the last several days talking about how the election is going to be rigged and going to be stolen. And that's the only way he's going to lose. And you've had his campaign manager, you had his vice presidential running mate say, no, 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 we'd accept the results. No, no, no. Of course we would. And yet Donald Trump again shows he's his own person. He's going to go whatever direction he wants and he's going to play with this idea. But it's a really dangerous game that he's playing. I want to make one other point. In the post-debate, the spin has been from the Trump campaign and from Trump surrogates that Al Gore did the same thing because he pulled back his call to George W. Bush to say that he had conceded and then said he wouldn't concede. That is That's a different thing. totally out of context. He didn't spend and, yeah. the two months before well, the election saying it was all rigged. Right. And it's also different because there was a contest going on. It was a contested it was election. Contested. Right. So he called it back because they were still counting votes in Florida. And we haven't counted votes and, yet. And right, by the absolutely. way, when the Supreme Court decided to stop the recount and said George W. Bush won, Al Gore conceded. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing. The, the ground is very fertile for Trump to say this. A uh, recent poll from AP and the National National Opinion Research Center found that 31% of Americans have little or no faith that the votes in the election will be counted. Interestingly, though, I mean, Pew has studied this over the last few elections. What they found is people generally have pretty high confidence that their own vote will be counted. They look around their polling center and they say things look fine, but they don't trust anything that's going on out there. We should point out 
in order for a large scale facilitated rigging of the election to take place, there'd be so many layers you'd have to go through. Absolutely. Both national parties, every state has their own party system. The it's elections so, so, are not centrally run. Yes. That is entirely it's true. It's not at all. And like every single polling place has volunteers who are just showing up to help out. Like, how do you rig all of those people? I, I honestly don't know. The, the other fun fact that I realized tonight is Trump had this all of this to say about, you know, this might be rigged. We started off the Republican primary season with him also making a sort of bombshell statement. If you guys remember this, in that very first Republican primary debate, there was that question, will you yeah. support the eventual nominee? And Donald Trump said he, could, he couldn't say. And he did the same thing with the rig system during the primary when he was losing. And, and Clinton, in her response a minute ago, basically made the same point you're making. Whatever it is, is rigged against him. Uh, the FBI conducted a year-long investigation into my emails. They concluded there was no case. He said the FBI was rigged. He lost the Iowa caucus. He lost the Wisconsin primary. He said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. Uh, there was even a time when he didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged against Should have gotten it. This, this is a mindset. And by the way, this I went is, back and looked because I was like, did he actually tweet that? He not only t- tweeted one time, he tweeted several times about that the, the Emmys. Emmys are not fair, that The Apprentice should have gotten the... I mean, he just comes across looking like a sore loser if you're just going to say that everything that you lose is rigged. So let's skip back a bit in this debate to another big political issue of the last few weeks, WikiLeaks. Clinton responded to a question about her paid Wall Street speeches. Uh, There was one portion of one speech where she said that she was for open markets and open borders. Is that your dream, open borders? Well, if you went on to read the rest of the sentence, I was talking about uh, energy. You know, we trade more energy with our neighbors than we trade with the rest of the world combined. And I do want us to have a, an, an electric grid. But she used the question to attack Trump. You are uh, very clearly uh, quoting from WikiLeaks. And what's really important about WikiLeaks is that the Russian government has engaged in espionage against Americans. They have hacked American Uh, websites, American accounts of private people, of institutions, then they have given that information to WikiLeaks for the purpose of putting it on the internet. This has come from the highest levels of the Russian government, clearly from Putin himself, in an effort, as 17 of our intelligence agencies have confirmed, to influence our election. So I actually think the most important question of this evening, Chris, is Finally, will Donald Trump admit and condemn that the Russians are doing this and make it clear that he will not have the help of Putin in this election, that he rejects Russian espionage against Americans, which he uh, actually encouraged in the past. Those are the questions we need answered. We've never had anything like this happen in any of our elections before. That was a great pivot off the fact that you want open borders, okay? So Trump at first said he didn't know Putin at all. Uh, said it'd be great if we got along with Russia, and then there was this. Putin, wait, wait, wait. From everything I see, has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet, States. No puppet. No puppet. 
It's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's pretty clear you won't admit no, that the, the Russians have engaged in cyber attacks against the United States of America. And so, Domenico, this uh, set him off. This is what this is what changed the whole debate here, in my opinion. I mean, he had started off in a relatively muted way, talking about the Supreme Court. Yeah, he sort of tried to settle a score with Justice Ginsburg and said she'd had to apologize, but he kept his tone pretty low. But when Hillary Clinton hit him and said, you know, that's because Putin wants a puppet as president. He then like just hit back and was like, you're, you're the puppet, the bu- you're mm-hmm. the puppet. Like, I know you are, but what, what am I? I? And yeah. <laughs> right. That's sort of what I think what the theme of this election has been, Basically. to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that really got under his skin. And you know that there have been instances in which the Clinton campaign have tried to pick their spots and they were. Hillary Clinton was criticized if for one thing in the last debate that she didn't hit back at Donald Trump very often. She tried to stay above the fray and some of her supporters would have preferred to see her try to land a right hook now and then. And with this one, she definitely landed something pretty hard on on Trump's job because he kind of reverted back to the first debate Trump yes. where he then now was kind of backed into a corner and needed to hit back at her. Well, and by the way, he uh, speaking of themes, um, one of the things he said is that he doesn't know Putin. Uh, you fact check that? Right. On our fact check, I pointed to uh, actually PolitiFact did a rundown of this. There are several instances in which Donald Trump in past interviews has referred to having various kinds of communication with Vladimir Putin or hmm. he said in one case indirectly with Vladimir Putin. So he's communicated with him in one way or the other. So there's that. All right. Just to wrap this topic, um, Trump also tried to claim that we don't know if Russia is behind uh, the hacking that have led to these WikiLeaks dumps. I think it's She China. has no so idea whether it's Russia, China it, or anybody else. I am not quoting she has myself. No idea. I am quoting Hillary, you 17, have no idea. 17 intelligence. Do you doubt 17 our, our, military our country has and no civilian idea. agencies? Well, yeah, I doubt it. And Chris Wallace kind of checked him on that. Every Mr. step Trump, of the way. I, I, Excuse I, me. Mr. Putin Mr. has Mr. outsmarted Trump, her. In Mr. Syria, Trump, he's outsmarted her every here. I do step get to of the way. I do get to ask some questions. Yes, that's And I fine. would like to ask you this direct question. The top national security officials of this country do believe that Russia has been behind these hacks. Even if you don't know for sure whether they are, do you condemn any interference by Russia in the American election? By Russia or anybody else. You condemn their interference? Of course I condemn. Of course I can. I don't know Putin. I I'm, have no I'm idea. Asking, I'm asking I never met death. Putin. This is not my best friend. But right. Well, and I, I started to say earlier there was a theme of the night. And the, it, it, so it, on Trump's part, it seemed to be deny everything. I yeah. don't know Putin. We don't know if this happened. And th- this never happened. I, I don't know those women. Right. Exactly. He, he also allowed himself to get painted into a corner where he was finding himself defending Vladimir Putin and Russia over U.S. intelligence officials. Like, that is not the place that a president, American president, wants to be standing. You know, in particular, there had to be a lot of Republicans out there who were sitting there saying, this is not what we want from a Republican president. Yeah. Finally, the third big issue of the last week was Trump and women. That came up tonight. Uh, Chris Wallace asked Trump about the nine women so far who have come forward and claimed that Trump had groped or kissed them without their consent. Here's a tape of that. Why would so many different women from so many different circumstances over so many different years, why would they all in this last couple of weeks make up? You deny this. Why would they all make up these stories? And since this is a question for both of you, Secretary Clinton, Mr. Trump says what your husband did and that you defended was even worse. 
Mr. Trump, you go first. Well, first of all, those stories have been largely debunked. Uh, those people, I don't know those people. To I say that he, that he knows none of these women, that can't be true. One, one woman who accused him wrote a profile of him. Right. He knows some of these women. Yeah, and, you know, he even left a little wiggle room in there and said, you know, in some cases, in most of these things, he's in a really bad position when it comes to this. I mean, what is he going to say? What he tried to do in the second debate was go to Bill Clinton. He didn't go there tonight because it didn't really work for him after that debate. Right. And I mean, you know, what his answer where he's like, I don't know these women, they're making it up. And I didn't even apologize to my wife who's sitting right here because I didn't do anything. I didn't know any of these women. I didn't see these women. These women, the woman on the plane, the woman, I think they want either fame or her campaign did it. They're making it up thing gets into a very, what is very upsetting territory for some women, for um, sexual assault survivors. Uh, This idea that, you know, women can just make these stories up and therefore maybe fairly often they are. He went even one step further and his surrogates have gone one step further talking about these women and their looks and saying that they wouldn't be his first choice. And Hillary Clinton made that point tonight, too. He went on to say, "Uh, look at her. I don't think so. About another woman, he said, that wouldn't be my first choice. He attacked the woman reporter writing the story, called her disgusting, as he has called a number of women uh, during this campaign. Donald thinks belittling women makes him bigger. He goes after their dignity, their self-worth, and I don't think there is a woman anywhere who doesn't know what that feels like. What I see in this, in this whole thing, is that with the allegations that have been made against Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. it is very clear to me that... He can't he can't get out of this hole. And I don't know what he could say to change minds. I think what he was doing tonight, once again, he was doing the deny everything thing. I think he's just trying to stop that hole from getting deeper, because when Hillary Clinton brings up this thing about him insulting women's looks, she has very clearly memorized a lot of his quotes for Mm -hmm. for this purpose. She's trying to make that hole deeper. When he says they're making it up, he's just trying to throw away the shovel. Okay, let's phone a friend who we all know and love. Tamara Keith. She is actually in Las Vegas at the debate venue. Hey, you there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I, um, I'm at the craps table. No, wait. I'm in the spin room. <laughs> you practice that one. <laughs> Basically the same. How are you? I'm good. How, How was the debate? Well, it, you know, it was um, sparky. Um, <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. It wasn't quite yeah. Russian roulette, but... Yeah, it was It was something. So it, there was some pre-debate drama, too, right? Like, President Obama's half-brother was there with Trump. Yes, he was a guest of Mr. Trump's, um, though um, Kellyanne Conway, his campaign manager, um, couldn't really explain exactly why he was there. Uh, in an interview on MSNBC, I saw she she said, well, we're, we're being inclusive. That's yeah. Wow. <laughs> OK. So, you know, besides the three big topics that we're talking about here tonight, you know, Trump and women, the WikiLeaks stuff, the rigged election drama. What stood out to you in the press filing room, Tam? It, to me, and it was near the end of the debate, and so probably this is why it stuck with me, and, and also because I've been working on some stories about sexism in the campaign, mm-hmm. but when there, there was a moment where Hillary Clinton was talking about her Social Security plan. Well, Chris, I am on record as saying that we need to put more money into the Social Security Trust Fund. That's part of uh, my commitment to raise taxes on the wealthy. My Social Security payroll 
contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Such a Security nasty Trust woman. Fund by making sure Such that a we nasty have woman. Wow. On yes. audio, it like comes more out of nowhere than even on TV. Right. This, this for him... The, the idea of him not paying his taxes, the idea of him not releasing his tax returns, this has been an ongoing little soft spot that she's been pushing on at every single debate. It, you know, it won't be the moment, it won't be the headline of this debate, because the headline of this debate is, as you've already talked about, the idea that he would not necessarily concede if he ends up losing the race. That's the headline. That's the thing all of his surrogates are being asked about in this room. That's the thing. If he doesn't interview, he will be asked about. That is going to be the question for the next many days. But the idea that he, that a, a presidential candidate stood on stage next to someone who could be the first female president of the United States and called her a nasty woman yeah. is just remarkable. <laughs> I, yeah. So, yeah, since that moment, I have had Janet Jackson's mid-80s hit, Nasty, oh. stuck in my head. Yes, and Danielle Absolutely. didn't like the fact that I was trying to sing this It's earlier. such a good song <laughs> from a great album. She had a great run, Janet Jackson. Miss Jackson, this has been, if you're nasty. It's, it's yes. been a throwback week. So, Tam, from your vantage point where you were tonight, what was your big takeaway from this debate? Well, they're over. The debates are over. <laughs> Thank the Lord. We, we are... Uh, we're moving into the final stretch. You know, the, the candidates, in theory, are, are going to be making their closing arguments. Um, you know, it, it was another debate, I, but it doesn't feel necessarily like a debate that changes anything. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest moment in the press room amongst the traveling press? Um, well, the puppet thing okay. definitely was like, whoa. And, and then Nasty Woman got a gasp. Yeah. Well, and oh, well, and actually, <laughs> the other, the real gasp, the the true gasp was was when he said that he would. You'd have to wait and see whether yeah. he was going to honor the results of the election. There, there was an audible <gasps> in the room I because bet. he did he didn't dance around that. He didn't say what his surrogates have been saying that he believes. He said something that something um, <laughs> is completely different. Yeah. Hey, well, from what I understand, you have to fly somewhere else pretty soon. Where are you going next? Oh, well, um, actually, I'm coming home, guys. Look at you. Hey. All right. For, for like so, a couple of days. Okay. Um, I have a couple of digital posts for you to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, got some, I've got some work to do. And actually, that, that story I'm working on about uh, sexism in the campaign, I'll be writing it on the plane. All right. Work harder, Tam. Hardest working person in show business. Tamara, be Aww. safe. We miss you. We'll see you soon, okay? Yeah, we'll see you really soon. All right. Bye. See Bye. you, Tam. Bye. So we talk all the time about how lots of people maybe only watch the first half hour or so of a debate. For that first half hour in this debate tonight, people got an actual really good look at some serious policy differences. Chris Wallace began with the Supreme Court. Then there was talk about gun control and abortion and immigration. We can't even really play like a quick bite from that discussion because it was pretty detailed and involved. Yeah, I think I heard Scott Horsley cheer when they brought up the national debt. (laughs) He would. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But I I mean, this was such a contrast to the first half hour of debate two, which was a, a discussion of that Billy Bush video. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're a policy wonk, like a lot of people on the NPR politics team are, uh, you know, this this uh, is heartening. However, I mean, the counterpoint to that is a lot of people have made up their minds is hearing that Hillary Clinton is pro-gun control and that Donald Trump is not. Yeah. You know, who would have thought? Like, who is that going to, you know, sway anybody at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had they obviously have very different policy positions. Very different. (laughs) I mean, they talked about 
you know, gun control and Donald Trump wanting to hold up the Second Amendment uh, and say that he would do everything he could to protect it. And Hillary Clinton saying she wanted to have reasonable regulation, you know, and they had some differences quite clearly um, on abortion. I mean, that came up. And you had a very stark difference between these two candidates on that subject. And some stark language on abortion. Yeah. You know, there was this discussion of late-term abortion. Right. Um, and at one point, Donald Trump said several times that in this procedure, the doctor, quote, rips the baby out. Now, you can say that that's okay. And Hillary can say that that's okay. But it's not okay with me. Because based on what she's saying and based on where she's going and where she's been... You can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month on the final day. And that's not acceptable. Well, that is not what happens in these cases. And using that kind of uh, scare rhetoric is just terribly unfortunate. You know, the, you should abortion is, is going to be a tough spot here. For, for First of all, it's hard to forget the images that Donald Trump painted of abortion yeah. tonight. It, it, but, um, that, but, but, but that strategy is a strategy yeah. of people who are uh, anti-abortion rights because they feel like they need to elevate that to explain what happens in the process for people to, you know, to win them over in that. And and mm-hmm. the polling, you know, while polling on the surface shows a split country on abortion, 47, 46 or thereabouts for, quote, pro-choice versus pro-life as it's termed in a Gallup poll, you know, overwhelmingly, when you ask specifically about late-term abortion, some almost three-quarters of the country is against it, although a majority of the country is in favor of abortion being legal with some restrictions. Absolutely. So it is a nuanced argument to make. I think the bigger point uh, for people to think about here on both sides, no matter where you come down on abortion or anything else uh, related to the Supreme Court, realize that there are three justices who are either 80 or approaching 80 years old. You know, that potentially means that a first term president, Clinton or Trump, could have the opportunity to appoint as many as three justices. It's a big deal. That's a huge shift, especially considering that those three justices are either liberal or moderate. Think about the difference. Mm -hmm. You have a 4-4 court and what that would mean to the court, which would shape social policy for a generation. No matter where you come down, that's what's important and why these two candidates are are very, very different in the choice. So, you know, we have spent a lot of this episode... um, Making some valid critiques, I think, of Donald Trump's performance tonight. But got to ask, did Clinton come up short herself anywhere? You know, I think if you already thought of Hillary Clinton as dishonest and not trustworthy, you weren't really reassured of her forthrightness. Uh, You know, when she was asked a direct question about the Clinton Foundation and whether or not she had taken meetings with people who were donors um, or about her emails, she very deftly and politically shifted on the emails, shifted to Russia on the foundation, shifted back to the Trump Foundation, you know, smart debate strategy, but did not directly answer the question. And another thing, more more generally, uh, speaking of not just tonight's debate, but all three debates, there has been a difference in the expectations game between yes. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. You've had a lot of people saying that the bar is, has been lower uh, for Donald Trump. And, you know, 
I have wondered about how people judge Hillary Clinton's debate performance, you know, whether she won or lost or whatever, which you might argue is meaningless anyway. Uh, but Donald Trump is, I mean, to say the least, an unconventional debate opponent. Yes. And a lot of the people who say that she has won these debates, I have often wondered if she were up against a more conventional debater, you know, a Jeb Bush, a Marco Rubio. A Chris Christie. A cri- yeah, absolutely. Someone with a bit of, you know, with a lot of personality and who also, you know, is perhaps might be a little bit more uh, conventional uh, in his responses. What I'm trying to say is that I wonder if she if a lot of people who say she she is winning that she looks really good up there if that is what what people would be saying anymore even given an identical performance from her mm-hmm. in every single debate. And that's, you know, lots of Republicans have that same exact question in their heads, but you know, this is an issue that the Republican Party is going to have to deal with if Donald Trump loses this election. Right. Because I think the the contrast that is drawn ends up highlighting what is one of Donald Trump's weaknesses, biggest weaknesses in polls, which is temperament. Hillary Clinton has many weaknesses in polls, her trustworthiness, et cetera. And Domenico has pointed out that, you know, that came up tonight. But temperament also keeps coming up in these debates. What, what ends up happening is they just keep sort of highlighting the things that voters already think is bad about them. So Trump needed to do something tonight to turn the trend lines around. He's down in so many polls. Um, A lot of folks that predict this kind of thing say that his chances of winning the election have gotten slimmer and slimmer over the last few weeks. Did he do anything tonight that changes that trajectory? I don't think so. I feel like both candidates pretty much showed voters exactly who voters already think they are. I don't know if he could have done something. Now, that is not a knock on Donald Trump. That is just an honest assessment of, listen, these two candidates are both so different. People have already made up their minds. Some people are starting to vote uh, with early voting. So, I mean, could he have done something to change people's minds, you know, to sway anybody who is, you know. And the first debate would have been the place to do that because that that had the largest audience, right? Yeah. Yeah, To be honest, there was nothing Donald Trump, I don't think, could have done to change the trajectory of this race himself. He needed some big time help from Hillary Clinton. She would have needed to have made big mistake in this debate, which she did not. And Donald Trump missed several opportunities. You know, he allowed himself to be taken off message and not to hit Hillary Clinton on some of her vulnerabilities and stay on message. He just showed it's again, he's not a politician. You know, work and preparation, they do pay off sometimes. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Um, Can we talk about my or one of the things that said the most for me was part of Donald Trump's answer when uh, talking about immigration. He used the phrase bad hombres. One of my first acts will be to get all of the drug lords, all of the bad ones. We have some bad, bad people in this country that have to go out. We're going to get them out. We're going to secure the border. And once the border is secured at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. Now, Danielle says that he mispronounced it. It should be hombres, it's not hombre. O- hombre, hombre, not hombre. Uh-huh. Man, yeah. just basically yeah, means it. Yeah. Well, as soon as hombre was said, a lot of folks started posting pictures of women with bad ombre dye jobs, you know, light on oh. top, dark at the bottom. <laughs> um, I pretended that bad hombres was like the name of Brooklyn's newest, hottest, hippest indie band. Like, it was just ripe for right. parody. 
On top of possibly being offensive. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Well, I think that there, I mean, <laughs> Latinos have been sitting through this election and, you know, with Donald Trump kicking off his campaign saying that Mexicans who are coming to the country illegally uh, And then just last debate, rapists. You and then say the whole, right. that Mexican you thing. You whipped out that Mexican oh, thing gosh, again. Oh, gosh, right. If you'd forgotten that, now you remember. <laughs> Yeah, and and there were lots of other insensitive moments. I mean, him again talking about the inner city and talking about you can't walk down the street without getting shot and they all don't have any education and they don't have jobs. I mean, you know, forget pivot, you know, this idea that Donald Trump was going to pivot to try to win over minority groups. It I mean, just throw it out the window. You know what? I am getting a little buzz in my ear from our <laughs> producer and our editor saying maybe I got the ombre hairdo wrong. It's light on the top, dark on the bottom, or dark on the top, light on the bottom. Twitter, tweet your photos. Let at me us. know. Uh, yeah. Tweet us your photos of your ombres, good and bad. Also, I'm, <laughs> I'm. If I remember my Spanish correctly, and I think I do, you I'm, do. I'm 95 percent sure that ombre, as opposed to ombre in Spanish, means hunger. Ombre. I got it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Not chambre. This is not. <laughs> All right. Quick break. We'll be right back to talk about the final two weeks or so of this race. We'll also fill you in on our daily episodes coming soon. Before we get back to the show, quick plug. Another podcast we think you will love is Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. It is your guide to pop culture. Jesse interviews artists and writers and actors about their work and their lives. Recent guests include the creator of Veep, Hassan Minaj of The Daily Show, and actress Rashida Jones. You can find Bullseye now on the NPR One app and at npr.org slash podcast. All right, we're back. Ombre haircut still intact. Speak for yourself. My highlights have grown out. (laughs) (laughs) I can see. All right, less than three weeks until Election Day. And beginning next week, we'll have an episode in your feed every 24 hours or so to help you keep up with all that's going on. All right, Domenico, what's going to be going on those last two and a half weeks of this election? What do the next few weeks hold? It's the final push. These candidates are going to be out there in every battleground state that you can think of. Let's set the table for a second here. Donald Trump is behind. You know, Barack Obama, his biggest lead of the 2012 campaign was six points. By this point in October, he was only up by about a point in the average of the polls. Now, Mm -hmm. in fairness to his campaign, the campaign says they always had him up four points, which is what he actually wound up winning by. But what you see here is that Hillary Clinton needs to pick off nothing in the toss-up states. Everything she's defending, she would uh, win and go over 270 electoral votes. Donald Trump needs to run the table. He need that when we're talking about, he needs to win Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, Iowa, Nevada, and then pick off a Democratic-leaning state, perhaps looking at a place like New Hampshire. Hillary Clinton doesn't have to win any of the states I just mentioned as long as she holds on to New Hampshire. So what does tonight mean for Paul Ryan and other Republicans who are trying to win their races throughout the country, Danielle? Let's start with the broader question, other Republicans in local races. I mean, uh, a lot of them have to be hoping that a lot of voters are willing to split the ticket. The question is whether voters will. You know, there are a lot of Republicans who are pretty leery of Donald Trump. There's some evidence in polls from Arizona that at least with John McCain, they are. She's been doing well in Arizona, but McCain still has a really good margin over his opponent. Right. And you have had some Republicans, you know, making the case, hey, vote for me because you want a check on, you know, should there be a president. That's the argument. You're going to hear that argument from here on out. 
Paul Ryan set the table for those Republicans to do so. The House, because of redistricting, looks still to be in Republicans' favor unless there's a massive, you know, 10-point, 11-point win from Hillary Clinton where you could see the numbers kind of move up. But the Senate, Republicans are really worried about the Senate at this point. At this point, you know, you could see up to seven seats going to Democrats. If you include a place like Missouri and North Carolina, where the Democrat is doing well or within striking distance. And if the races tip, which at Usually at the end of elections, races all sort of tip in one direction. They don't usually go to a a big mix of states. Republicans are very concerned, and they're already looking to 2018, frankly, uh, that they would be hoping at that point to take back the Senate. All right, that's a wrap for tonight. I am proud of us. We made it through. Yeah. All the debates it's done. It is time. We were we were talking about celebrate and like which uh, which songs which to play? song do you play at your wedding? Which celebrate song? I picked the cool and the gang one. You like that oh. one? Yeah. Good times. Is it, no, but like good times. That's that. Yeah. That's another yeah, yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But that one's You're good. Right. Anyway. Celebrate that one like that. No. Holiday. That's that's Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. That's Happy holiday. holiday. That's all right. Yeah. That's okay. a good one too. Yeah. We got to stop this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you're hearing this on Thursday, we're going to spend today getting some rest. That means our usual weekly roundup will not be out today. It'll be out Friday, October 21st. Enjoy that one on your weekend. As we mentioned, daily episodes begin next week. They'll be hitting your feeds weekdays in the early evening, East Coast time. It'll recap all the news of that day. Until then, you can find us on NPR One and on your local public radio station. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Danielle Kurtzleben, political reporter. And I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. Keep it on, Bray, and thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. <laughs>